Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 10 Minutes Now podcast. I am your host, Paola Barcácer, a technology professional based in Singapore. Join me on a series of positive and impactful talks with amazing people around the world from diverse professional and personal backgrounds. We will learn about their work and personal journeys while having fun along the way. Let's be real. We all need some positive stories right now. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode five. I am your host, Paola Barcácer, and today we will be talking to Trent Lidstone, an Australian marketer based in Singapore. Trent leads the web experience and channel integration initiatives for 3M across APAC, and outside work, he is an amazing photographer. Today, we will be talking about extreme career pivoting and how Trent shifted from the agricultural sector to marketing and now working at one of the biggest corporates in the world. This is 10 minutes now, so let's get started. Great, Trent. Thanks for your time today. I know you're crazy, crazy busy at work, so really appreciate your time. Now, I have to say this, Trent and I have been friends for a very, very long time, and he's one of many Australians living in Singapore. I've had the pleasure of actually working with a lot of Australians over the years, and I have many Australian friends, so I'm totally biased. They're the most fun bunch people on the planet. Anyway, enough about me and my love of Australians. Let's get cracking. Thank you so much, Trent, for joining. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And Australians, we don't take that too seriously. I know. (laughs) I know very, very well. So um, we're going to give our listeners some context. You grew up in Nar Nargun, which is a small town about 60 kilometers from Melbourne. And I'm just wondering, it must have been quite nice growing up in a very tight-knit community. Or is it too small for some people's liking? How, how was it growing up there? Yeah, so it was small. Um, it was, uh, everybody knew everybody. Uh, it was a very much a community. And it was a very trusting community that uh, we could be out with friends. And uh, um, it was, we were always watched over. And really, it wasn't something that... Uh, uh, stranger danger was not a thing um, and yeah so it was but that was my childhood I don't know I've got nothing to compare that to so uh, that yeah. was just normal for me good no no that makes sense it's just that I have some friends that grew up in very very tiny villages and sometimes even that's all they knew but they felt a bit kind of claustrophobic and they were eager to get out of there so that was the reason for my question but yeah it's good it's good to know that that you have fun while growing up so now we're going to go straight to our subject today we're going to talk about career pivoting and in your case some people might think well extreme career pivoting and let's start with path what i call path number one how did young trent made the decision to attend agricultural college tell us more about it so growing up in a small community we had um uh, horses and uh when i was going to school i used to have to catch uh two trains and a bus just to get to school we used to take uh, like an hour and a half, we'd leave, leave at home at a quarter past seven and not get home until five o'clock at night. Um, and so 
it was um, it was a chore to go to school. It was, uh, and I think that my uh, willingness to learn in a classroom formally was just uh, elsewhere. I had I had horses. We um, I used to compete, and uh, that was where my focus was and my attention. And it wasn't in a classroom. So I negotiated with my parents to send me to agricultural college. So. Um, and it was just the refreshing uh, approach that I needed to uh, re-engage in learning and uh, look at life a little bit different. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where the first, I suppose, real uh, step from the norm uh, occurred. Cool. So thanks very much for that. It's interesting, too, when you said that it was quite refreshing in a way. And so I'm curious to see how was your experience of working in farms across three vastly different continents because I know you were working in the US, in Ireland, and also in Australia. And how did that shape who Trent is today? So um, it was an incredible way to travel and see parts of the world that you wouldn't uh, normally go to. So I lived in Kentucky for a year, um, which was a very, very uh, eye-opening experience um, and uh, fun experience. Um, and yeah, that, and in Ireland I studied, um, and because uh, the thoroughbred breeding season works uh, opposite Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, um, it allowed you to travel. So you'd spend Northern Hemisphere uh, for six months and then the Southern Hemisphere. So um, it, it was a really good opportunity um, and certainly saw some incredible things, experienced like the highs of the thoroughbred breeding industry, um, you know, selling horses for $6.5 million in wow. um, Kentucky. Um, so it, it was, and meet loads of different people all over the world that I'm still friends with. That's amazing. I mean, those horses are more expensive than most houses and what most people can afford. Incredible industry, isn't it? Yeah, and the people in the industry are incredibly smart um, because typically people are spending $6.5 million on a horse aren't uh, working in that industry. They're, uh, that's their hobby. That's, uh, um, you know, their loose change as such. Um, you know, sheep's from Dubai, um, you know, buying these horses. So um, they're surrounded by very good people and uh, very smart people. And uh, I think that that's where um, I kind of had that moment in my career that I was like, is this forever? Yep. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So actually, based on that point, moving to path number two, at around age 26, I know you swapped farm life and then horse breeding for a classroom. And then you studied marketing back home in Melbourne. Why and how did you make that decision to switch? And why did you choose marketing? Yes. So um, I was working at the time for uh, Jerry and Katie Harvey, who own um, Harvey Norman, um, which is in Singapore and Australia. Um, and uh, Jerry and Katie used to come up every weekend and uh, Katie was the one that I think convinced me, um, Jerry's wife, uh, she was like, you, you know, this isn't, you're a smart guy, you shouldn't be doing this forever. Um, this is an industry that will burn you out. Um, and I had always had an interest and fascination with people um, and their decision making and marketing was a very natural fit for me. So um, on her advice, I uh, packed up from the farm and went back to Melbourne and uh, enrolled in university and which was I had to do a few steps before that I had to um, do a diploma because I hadn't finished my last year of school right. so I was okay. one step behind everybody so I did a two-year diploma and then um, it took me four years to do um, my degree um, I 
mainly because uh, I wasn't super smart and understood the system uh, and, uh, of course, failed a couple of subjects, but also I was balancing work and uh, studying. So um, it was uh, quite flexible. So it allowed me to take a little bit of extra time. No, so. That's amazing. Okay, well, it's actually quite a big step. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you so that you can inspire people that want to make such a huge career change. And obviously, every person is different. So I'm sure they're going to learn something from your experience. So um, let's touch now on cultural differences. You currently lead the web and channel integration initiatives for 3M across the Asia-Pacific region, which is huge. Um, please give our listeners some insights into how people can adapt when working across vastly different cultures. Yeah, um, so I've been in Singapore looking after, first I started off looking after just six countries, um, and now uh, I look after 14 countries um, wow. from Korea to India to New Zealand, Australia, and all of Southeast Asia. Um, and I think my first year was just learning culture and the way that people approach tasks, um, you know, yeah. and the way that they get work done, um, because if you're not adaptable to them. Um, you can't be the brash Australian that is gung-ho yeah. and um, you know, throw caution to the wind and hope that it gets done because uh, there are certain cultures that just aren't comfortable with that and will never be on board. So um, I think that you will always continue to learn cultures and then you add some personality in, in across that. And I think that you've just got to be agile, flexible and adaptable, um, but ultimately keep your eye on the prize in what you're trying to do and... Uh, um, and how you approach that is, uh, you know, you've got to have that flexibility. Definitely. I think a lot of people that um, haven't moved across countries or have not worked across continents, they don't really understand how tricky it is to engage and, and maybe just even simple things like meetings, objectives, making sure that everybody's on the same page when people have vastly different work cultures. Not only, for instance, when, when to start, a lot of cultures are late. Um, it's just the expectations of each meeting. So I'm sure you've had your fair share of completely different experiences. So um, now, no, I'm not sure if this is a strange question, but anyway, here it goes. Having attended agricultural college and then completed a breeding course, can you find any similarities between those fields and corporate life? I'm just curious. Um. I think recognising the differences um, is uh, certainly one of those things that, you know, they are vastly different. Um, I think that at the, ultimately, at the end of the day, you, it's still a strategy that you're trying to execute um, and uh, um, making sure that you're committed to that strategy, you're clear, um, you've aligned um, the people that need to be aligned um, and, you know, you celebrate your successes, you um, learn from your losses and, you just keep on that on that kind of path. Now that path may have some deviations, um, but ultimately um, you should all be very clear about what the end state is. Um, and I think that yeah, it doesn't matter what industry, what you're doing, even life or business. That's still um, you know uh, still something that's very true. Fascinating. And I'm just wondering, um, what was the most fun experience you had? when you were working with horses and, and, and those projects. You mentioned, obviously, the Sheik, so you were exposed to very wealthy people. But could you pinpoint one specific experience that you had? Wow, this is incredibly fun. Yeah, so we had, um, I, I was in Kentucky and I was working for the former um, governor of Kentucky. Um, he had a big farm and uh, 
their work was fun, but it was pretty boring. And, and I used to, I had a group of Irish friends and we ended up um, getting a car and just quit our jobs and we went and worked uh, like kind of freelance work on farms still. But we drove to Florida and then we drove all the way up to north, uh, north of Toronto um, over maybe it was a three-month period. Um, and so the four of us in a car, like basically road tripping, doing odd, you know, job to job. Um, and, you know, that was just fun. I mean, we just did so much cool things um, with some really cool people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just something that we just all quit our jobs and um, went and said, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think also it depends on the age. Obviously, at that age, everybody's younger, you have more energy, and you made so many friends that, I'm sh like you mentioned, they're close now. So that's awesome. It's like a, it's, it's not necessarily like a gap year, but it sounds to me like a gap-ish year, more or less. Uh, yeah, except it lasted six years. Exactly. Um, <laughs> a period of your, of your life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for that. And um, obviously, going back to the pivoting or career pivoting subject of today's episode, what would you suggest to others who are looking to shift gears professionally? I know, obviously, everybody's different, but based on your experience, what would you say is the one thing that, Either you need to make a decision or look into yourself. What would you suggest? Um, do it before you turn 40. Um, uh, do it with something that you are sure you're going to do it for the right reasons, which is passion and enjoyment. Um, you know, money is certainly one thing, um, and but you've got to work eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, yeah. You might as well do enjoy what you're doing um, and if you prolong and procrastinate over the decision, then it's not, not going to be, be easier. Um, but I think that, you know, I did it at an age that I had a safety net as such. Um, yep. you know, yeah. I think you can go to your parents at 24 and ask uh, for some support. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, you know, be clear about what you want to do. Definitely. And that's why I think a lot of people now are very much into career coaching. There is a, a huge number of, of people that, or there are a huge number of people that don't know what to do. And maybe they have been maybe doing finance. I have friends that were working in finance for many years and they said, no, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to bake. And they're now bakers. But it's a huge decision. And like you mentioned, the earlier you make it, the better. I guess it's going to be harder if you're 50 or 60. But yeah, that's a very good yeah. point. Trial and error for a career these days is probably um, not an effective strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, working out what you want. And I think that's where career coaches come in, that they can really uh, understand what motivates you and uh, align uh, careers to that. Definitely. Definitely. It's good to also talk to an external person, like a third party, not necessarily your partner or your friends or your family, somebody that can give you advice professionally. Good. Well, thank you so much for that. Hopefully that wasn't painful. Um, so many great insights and it was great chatting with you. And I hope our listeners enjoyed this as much as I did. Although I can talk to you anytime. And for everybody's um, benefit, Trent and I also talk a lot about photography. He's an amazing photographer and I do a lot of photography as well. So I find him like my mentor in some ways. Trent, wish you a great start of the week. Hopefully it's not too busy now that you and your team would make a physical return to the office since April. So hopefully that goes well. Uh, good luck being in an office with a mask the whole day. <laughs> so hopefully you, can, you have found a mask that is comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but uh, the new normal has certainly uh, got to be embraced. Exactly. Well, and then everybody, thanks for, for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. From wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. My friend Trent, like many others, moved out of his comfort zone and successfully made a career switch between very different industries, both of which have allowed him to travel and have a world perspective that many could only dream of. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, feel free to recommend 10 Minutes Now to anyone looking for more positive and inspiring stories. This is Paola Barcácel for 10 Minutes Now. Let's stay positive. <laughs>